0: Thank you. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity, even though um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a privilege to be here. This is Sunday number 104. That's two years that our family has been here at this church, and we have felt your love. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for what you do for us and everything, the prayers and the, the, the lovely comments and engaging in our family's lives and this team that we have with Emily and, and Pastor Luis and Geraldo and Syra and uh, Dylan and Taylor and uh, we, we just we have a great team that God's brought together for this time, and I couldn't do it without them, even though I'm sure they could do it without me, Um, and and that's okay, but most importantly, we have to know that this, this is all about us. I said the very first Sunday that I stood up here that this is not my church. I get to be the pastor of it. This is our church that's doing what God wants us to do, and what you do on Monday through Saturday, it, it shows up on Sunday, and uh, it's, it's been great. So thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts as a, as a family and as your pastor. It truly is a privilege to get to be here. And thanks for putting up with, well, with me, all right, and the crazy ideas that we may have and the things that we do. Uh, a couple things. This, this is also a point in the service where I get to uh, say what I forgot to say earlier. Um, that our primetime group, that's uh, 50 years and older. Um, we don't want to call you older, but we'll just say 50 and up. Our primetime group will meet Tuesday morning uh, at 10 o'clock. Right, Miss Judy? 10 o'clock and over in the activity center for a little Bible study time, hangout time. Um, coffee, the whole nine yards. So uh, come, invite those that uh, would like to be a part of that. Uh, you are invited to be here. We have some good news um, as far as um, our prayer concerns. We lift those up a lot. This, uh, this uh, I visited with Eric Trump last night via text. He has a biopsy this week. And if all things go well, he's done. He's coming home. So... We want to continue to pray, but that seems like uh, everything has been right on par and on track. We're praying for you, Eric. We know you're watching today. He's been so faithful every Sunday to be a part of our online crew. Um, and so uh, and then Larry Roberts here today, which is on fantastic. We've been praying for him as well. And uh, Mikey, uh, uh, I just got word that he's home and doing as best as, he can, as, as best as he can right now, and we'll go back at the, at later on in the month for more tests and procedures, most likely. But God is good, and he's doing great, great things in the lives of the people that he loves, that we were created to be in his image. So, here we go. Are you ready? We've been talking about um, not giving the enemy a seat at our table, right? Right? And here's our table. It's a table for two that you sit at and that the Savior sits at, our shepherd. The Lord, who is our shepherd, I lack nothing. He leads me. He makes me. He restores me. All the heavy lifting that is needed to be done in order to keep us uh, in a right relationship with God, it all falls on the shoulders of the shepherd today. And so, um, as we kind of walk through today, it's, uh, um, just keep in mind that this, this table is set up where? In this beautiful dining room, right? In this incredible place that has all the comforts in the world. No, it's placed in the presence of our enemy. We're going to talk a lot about the enemy today, the things that we deal with. So, uh, we live in this world of rules, right? We, we have a lot of things that we have to follow. Rules that are established and they're put in place for a good reason, most of the time, right? And for our safety, right? If we chose not to drive and follow the rules and we all drove um, on whatever side of the road we wanted to, there would be trouble, right? So, some rules are put in place for our safety, some for our security, all right, don't go out past whatever and let's not go. So, and then some are just in place for our sanity. <laughs> let's just be honest. And um, So we have a lot of rules. You go to school, there's rules. You go to work, there's rules. You go to church, there's rules. There's rules. And to be fair, in this environment, in the church world, if you will, it, the rules seem to outweigh a lot of the other stuff. And that's kind of our focus today. Um, There are also some rules that are kind of silly. Like, what what in the world were people thinking when they had this? Here's a couple that I'd like to share today. In Alabama, did you know that it is illegal to drive with a blindfold on? (laughs) Yes, Alabama. Roll Tide. In Delaware, it's illegal to sell dog hair. You can give it away. You cannot sell it, all right? In Kentucky, I think this is appropriate. In Kentucky, it's illegal for a woman to marry the same man four times, okay? Three times is fine, not four, all right? And and so there's a lot of these rules that come up, let's be honest, most of the time because people do them, and then you have to establish a rule not to do them. So I have... um, a set of rules and how we break them sort of on on purpose so we have a little video that we'll share some of the things you may have to to look pretty hard cuz you got to read a little bit but it it should be fun it's nice and light so That one's awesome. So I think you get the picture, right? There's rules, there's rules in place, and then there's ways that we break those rules. Some of them are funny, some of them aren't, and some of them cost us and some of them don't, okay? We play games, right, at your house, you play games with your kids, there's rules. Uh, You study math, there's rules, right? Um, We watch sports, they have written rules. And in some cases, like in baseball, there's unwritten rules, things you don't do. Even though you're, you can do them, you just don't, all right? And so for the rest of our time together, we're going to look at how the idea of our relationship in life all lean on one rule, one command, one law, if you will. And it starts with the story of grace, It starts with the story of grace. The story of grace exists because God wants a relationship with us. And God wants to be known by us. We talked a little bit about that last week. And uh, so it's important that we share the story of grace. The story of grace, it revolves around a relationship. How God is seeking and craving a relationship with His creation. The existence of grace... It, it basically implies this system of rules or commands that, are all, that they're present, okay? And a grace wouldn't be needed if we didn't break the rules, but we do. And we'll talk about that in just a second. If you've ever been pulled over by the police for speeding and you've walked away without a ticket, you've received grace in some way shape or form it happens if you hurt someone you sin against someone and they forgive you and there's nothing further that's grace right you don't get it grace is getting something that we do not deserve the story of grace is saturated with relationships right if you are in any kind of a relationship whether um, it's boyfriend or girlfriend spouse uh, relationship your family at work, at school. There are relationships uh, and co, uh, or sub-relationships that we're all a part of that require grace. Amen? Yeah, the story of grace does not revolve around rules. It revolves around relationships. And in, uh, in our small group this past week, we shared about experiencing we we share about we're sharing about how we experience faith and what our view of God is and we're having a great time getting to know each other in that way and last week we talked about this concept of relationships and rules and i felt like it fits appropriately today and i want to share just a little bit about that but ultimately we established that rules always assume a relationship okay rules always assume a relationship. Here's the example that we talked about. There's there's two models that we followed and um, that we kind of unpacked a little bit. One was the family model, and one is the club model. Okay, so there's two kinds of things, but first of all, we'll talk about the club model. The club model means that rules precede any relationship. That's the club model, that rules proceed they come before any kind of relationship if you're a member of any club you can relate about 25 30 years ago I was a part of a club where I um, signed up for Columbia House to send me 15 CDs for one cent anybody else done that yeah okay and then in turn they would every month send you a new cd and they would charge you like 20 percent over what it really should cost that you could get at Walmart for okay so first of all for those of you under the age of 30 CDs are these <laughs> these little things with music on them and whatever no so if if you received that CD from Columbia House and they you had the option to send it back that's what you agreed to in the contract that or whatever your agreement that you signed and so if you didn't what happened they charged you, through the nose. You get to keep it, but if you didn't like it, you know, if you got some polka, you know, CD that they sent you, um, then you kept it and you learned to like polka, I guess. And if you didn't send it back, too bad. There's no grace present, at all. They just charge you. The club model says that here's the rules ahead of time. Okay, whatever. However long list, it could be two rules, could be 32 rules. But um, you know the rules ahead of time before you enter into a relationship, okay? Um, and so, you know, I don't know you, you don't know me, but here's what's expected in this, in this relationship. So the club model, there, there's, there's a rule, the rules are established before a relationship is established, and you get, you get to sign a contract. You know the expectations. They know what you're going to give them. And so if you've ever been a part of a health club or or a country club, things like that, you understand. So relationship is always second in the club model. But a relationship is there nonetheless. It's just kind of predicated on the rules. And if we break the rules in that contract, what happens? There's no grace present at all. Okay? Even though there's a relationship, there's no grace. So that's the club model. The family model is a little more palatable. Okay? There's a little more forgiveness. Relationship, in a family model, the relationship precedes the rules. Okay? In In a family model, think about your family. The relationship comes before the rules. As parents, you have a relationship with your kids, and it's established before you have any rules for them, right? As parents, you, uh, you have even if there's no rules in place, you have a relationship. Think about having a baby. We have a baby here today, okay? Little Miss Piper came to church today. Cody and Bethany, uh, congratulations, yes, and I'm, they came home with Miss Piper, and my guess is here's what happened. They sat her down on the couch, and they said, listen, here's the rules. Your curfew is 11 o'clock p.m. You don't disrespect your mama, all right? You don't lie. You're going to clean your room, okay? And they laid out this lifelong set of rules, right? And what did she do? She probably drooled a little bit, and maybe a little bit more, right? because that's what babies do. No, you have you have a relation they have a relationship with their baby. We have a relationship in our families well before there's ever any rules in place. Okay? And you develop those rules over time as your kids grow and they change as they can handle that, right? But the story of Grace, it's it, it's engulfed in this family model. Okay, that God craves a relationship with you. Well before there were ever any rules established for us, God wanted that relationship with you. Either way, rules always assume there's a relationship, and God is seeking that with us. From the time, and we're going to talk about in our story of grace, Adam and Eve, from the time that they ate the fruit... God craved a relationship with you. He saw it years down the way. So uh, with that in mind, we're going to talk through the story of grace. The story of grace, it starts in the midst of this perfect environment, right? Adam and Eve, they set the story of grace into motion. They write the first chapter, and it, it, the, the, the plot thickens incredibly fast, and they're, they're instructed by God, do not eat this fruit, right? Don't eat it. Don't touch it. Just don't eat it and don't touch it. Matter of fact, you probably shouldn't even go around it. I don't know if God gave him tips on how not to do that, but he said, don't eat it and don't touch it. But mostly, don't eat it. And there was ample amount of provision for Adam and Eve. They lived in the Garden of Eden where everything was provided for them and there was fruit everywhere and remember as we talk about this table that sits in the middle in the presence of our enemies what's one of the lies that we listen to from the from the enemy that it's always better at a different table what you know we have all these trees with fruit that we can eat but this one don't touch it don't eat it well, I want to eat it I want to that's that's kind of the way and so Adam and Eve They had one rule, one command, if you will, one law in the Garden of Eden to not eat the fruit. And they find themselves at this table prepared in the presence of their enemy. Like, well, how in the presence of your enemy? There's only two people, right? There's two people. How can you be in the presence of their enemy? But the enemy is not people, okay? You look around this room, the enemy isn't sitting in here. In in flesh and blood. And and Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world that is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The enemy is not people. Okay, We've talked about how we can be our own worst enemy, but the enemy is Satan. And all that he tries to do to derail us off of following Jesus. And the enemy, he tempts Eve, and she eats the fruit. And then Adam eats the fruit. And that's the beginning of the story of grace. This story continues for thousands of years, where God takes a known liar and a known cheater named Abraham, and he, he makes this promise to him I'm going to make your family a great nation. And he didn't go this far, but he was going to sell, he told them, that my son will come from your bloodline. And Abraham's grandson, Jacob, he's a mess. His, his name means cheater, right? Again, this cheater, he's deceitful, uh, a terrible human being, if you will. And he uses Jacob. Jacob's son, Joseph, one of the uh, 12 sons that he had, is, is sold, first of all, thrown in a pit by his brothers. Then his brothers sell him, he's wrongfully imprisoned, he's left to rot in jail, eventually becomes the second most powerful person in Egypt and saves his family. Subsequently, all of God's people, right, the nation of Israel in those 12 brothers, he saves them from a famine and they all just hang out there in Egypt. And, and 80 years later, After being, they're they're in captivity because there's a new pharaoh, you know, that, that stuff happens. And they got threatened by the nation of Israel and how they were growing, so they made them their slaves. And so under the leadership of Moses, who, by the way, was hiding for the last 20 years out in the wilderness, tending sheep, which is appropriate because he was a shepherd too. But he murdered an Egyptian, so he's out in the wilderness. He ran away from everything that God purposed him to do. But God found him in this burning bush, so God's using all these people that are very much less than perfect. If that sounds familiar, right? And a couple of hundred years later, there's David, King David, who wrote this awesome psalm that we've put, we've we've placed this whole sermon series around. We talked about it for five weeks, and we got one more to go. You might be tired of it, but we're going to do it anyway. Okay. But King David writes, and he's a king, and he's a shepherd, and he's not perfect either, because he commits adultery. And then he commits murder to cover that up, and he becomes this, he's this worldly person, this problem person in his heart for all the things that he's done, but God used him. And eventually, the whole entire nation of Israel, God's people, they end up in captivity again. Go figure. You disobey God, there's There's repercussions, right? And the kingdom splits down the middle. And one goes to the north, one goes to the south. They can't get it together. And eventually they just kind of fall off. And the story of grace is written year after year after year. And in the midst of that, these expectations were established. These non-negotiable items that God gives to Moses in the Ten Commandments. But before that... Before the Ten Commandments, there were thousands of years of people. There was a whole flood, the whole thing. Did anybody break the law before that? But there was a lot, they did, but there was a lot of relationship before there were rules, right? So, the rules assume the relationship, and God gives these rules to the nation of Israel, and they did a, well, pretty terrible job of keeping them. Not only did they, they keep them and they tried to keep them, but they kept adding to them. And it ended up being more and more. And over and over again, mankind fails. They break the rules. They, they, they break the commandments that God gave them. They, they break the relationship that they have with God. Expectations are not met. Well, if, if God was in charge of the country club, the Christian country club, what would happen? just get kicked out, right? We break the rules, you're out of there. No grace is there in that club model. But he revolves around this family model of relationship first. And the result, our relationship with God, when when we sin, when we break the rules, it fractures our relationship. Not only that, because of the sin that we have, we're separated from God. It's not even that we, you know, if, if you hurt someone's feelings, if I hurt Angie's feelings, well, she can forgive me, and that's that, but we're not separated from each other, right? In this case, sin, God doesn't do sin. If we sin, we can't get to God. And because of that sin, there's, there's not one thing that we can do, not one. Remember, we talked about it a few weeks ago. We're not, we cannot be good enough to get ourselves into a relationship with God. But then, the story of grace takes a turn. The world is full of sin, right? The the early one morning, we think it was in December, the Son of God's born to this world. And the story of grace turns a page. God came to earth in the person of Jesus. Grace personified was among mankind. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's how John put it. Uh, and, and he comes into this sinful world, right? Sin didn't just stop because the perfect Lamb of God was in the world. Just because Jesus was here, people still sinned, okay? And 33 years later, Jesus established this measure of grace for all the world. That, yes, sin was in the world ever since Adam and Eve, 3,000, 4,000, thousands of years earlier, Okay? And yes, throughout history, since the the resurrection, mankind has done our best to perfect sin. We see it every single day. And because of the story of grace, all that sin was atoned for. Okay? In the family model, we break the rules, but we receive grace. All the sins, past, present, and in the future... They're atoned for. All that sin was covered by the perfect sacrifice in the person of Jesus Christ. And before Jesus laid down His life for mine on the cross and for you, He established a relationship. He spent time with people. Thirty-three years is a long time to hang out. Even before the three years, that 18-year gap between age 12 and age 30 he was establishing relationships, okay? He spent time with people, all sorts, primarily people who were the worst kind of sinners. It was noticed by the religious leaders. And then he changed the rules, the focus. He changed the focus of, of rules first to relationship first. And that's a huge shift, but it's the, one of the most pivotal pieces in this story of grace. We, we move from rules-oriented, rules-first, to relationships-first. You see, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, they were all about the rules. Okay? They took the 10 rules over time, and they made it into 600-plus rules. They're great at calling people out. Hey, you broke the rules. Hey, you sinned. Hey, that's not right. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And they condemned people for their sins, which was unnecessary, because we're already condemned. There was no need to point it out. But Jesus made the relationship the focus. He took all of those 600 plus rules and He squished it down into one, to love one another. The foundation of all our relationships, the one rule that assumes a relationship is love first. In John he says, love one another, as I have loved you, as I have loved you, and then about eight hours later, he's dying on a cross. He set the example of what it looks like to put the relationship first and not worry about the rules. Rules are important. That's not the point today. The point is that he wanted that relationship with us regardless, and he dies a horrible death on the cross. A death that he did not deserve. He was perfect. He was God Almighty in skin. Okay, A death that he didn't even have to endure and really didn't want to because he pleaded with God not to. But death that seemingly, when he died, it eliminated all hope from the earth. In a couple of weeks, we start Advent in the Christmas season, and it's all about hope, right? Hopes come to earth. Well, for three days, there was zero hope whatsoever. And all that because He wanted a relationship with us. But that's not the end of the story of grace, thankfully. Because three days later, early that morning, everything was quiet. Because that's what happens in tombs, right? There's nothing, there's silence. Until Jesus' chest begins to rise and lower And his lungs fill with air. And blood begins to circulate throughout the body to his arms and his legs. And he sits up. He probably looked around like, here we go. And he walked out of the grave, a risen Savior. And the story of grace was written. That's the last chapter. It's not the last part, but that's all it's needed. And no matter the rules that you've broken, even if it's some of those, okay? Even if you've sold dog hair in the state of Delaware, all right? No matter the rules that you have broken, no matter the sin that you might find yourself in right now, and no matter the life that you've lived in the past, it does not matter how low you've been. We think about the people that Jesus encountered in his life here on earth the woman at the well who had six husbands okay she she couldn't live in Kentucky right the paul who wrote 12 books of the bible was murdering christians on purpose and doing it legally okay but it doesn't matter the life that you've lived you can have a relationship with the one who's sitting across from you at this table because the shepherd the lord who is our shepherd, is also the king of kings. And the pathway to freedom from both guilt and shame is found in the story of grace. It's found in the shepherd. David, he's both a shepherd and a king. He writes Psalm 23. He says, he leads me by the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The pathway to freedom is about stepping into a relationship with Jesus. He wants to take an active role in our lives. He wants to restore our soul. He wants to lead us. He wants to make us to lie down in green pastures. He wants to know uh, that He is, He wants us to know that He's with us. He is with you. He is with you. We sing it over and over again today. Because it's powerful that even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when you're in this pit of sin that you don't think there's any way out of, He is with you. You don't have to fear any evil. Even though your table is set up in the presence of your enemy, you don't have to fear because rod and staff Jesus is there to to protect you, to love you, and most importantly, His presence is with you. And that's what we need. So when we're, we have bro- relationships that seem to be broken all the time and where life seems to come down all around you, just like it did with Abraham, right? He was a mess until he wasn't because he placed his faith in God, in Isaac, Abraham's son that was born to him at an old, old age when he could have died too because Abraham took him up a hill to sacrifice him. And then we have Jacob, who was a mess, and Joseph, who found himself in a mess. God was with him. And we see it in Scripture repeatedly. The nation of Israel coming out of Egypt in the wilderness. God was with them. Just like he was with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just hours after he says, Love one another as I have loved you. He's pleading with God. Sweat drops of blood. Lord, take this from me. Not my will, though. Not my will, but yours be done. He prayed in the garden for it to happen in a different way, and it didn't. He's with you, and He restores your soul. That's why He's with us, because we need to be restored, don't we? Just like we talked about last week, God wants to be known by us. He knows us, right? He knows about us, and we can know about God, but He wants to be known by us by us. He wants a relationship with us. And when we know the shepherd, we know his voice, and we have that kind of familiarity with him, and so we follow him. And that's the idea John 10 tells us, that that he goes on ahead of us, and and his sheep follow. So what does that tell us? Well, Jesus isn't at the back of all these sheep just saying, all right, turn right, turn right up there. No, he's leading us. Making sure that there's an example moving forward that we can keep our eyes on. That we're not having to look over our shoulder and say, Is it this way? No, here. Okay, over here. All right. No, He prepares this pathway of freedom for us. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, Do, do you want a relationship with the shepherd? Are, are, if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you've placed your faith in Him, Um, Is your relationship growing? Because that's important, that we don't just, all right, thanks, God, here I am. I'm just going to sit here and wait for heaven. Is your relationship growing? Is your relationship with Jesus the foundation of what you do as a person? As followers of the shepherd, we have to continue to seek him. It's ongoing. It, sometimes it's minute by minute, but it for sure is day by day. We have to seek Him. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, for whatever reason, you haven't quite made it there yet. You know maybe you're, you're not sure how God fits in your life and what that all means for you. but there's a relationship with the shepherd there for you. Something, maybe it's something you're thinking about, right? Are you in need of being led by quiet waters because your life is anything but quiet? He craves a relationship with you. Are you seeking comfort because so much stuff has been piled on you and you're hurting emotionally, physically, mentally? Man, the last 20 months have been a bear with all those things, and we need some comfort and that's what god is there for. He that relationship is there and it's available. The pathway to freedom is found in the story of grace. And that that we we were separated from god because of sin. We don't have the ability to to reach to bridge that gap. We needed grace extended to us to be able to be right with God. And so Jesus came to repair the relationship between God and man. That He set the example for us. The rules were not important. We, he, God already knows we're not, gonna, we're not perfect, so we're not going to get all the rules right. But the relationship, that's what's important. And Jesus focused on that. And He did that by dying on a cross for us. He makes it possible to have a relationship with God because He rose from the dead to save us, to make us, give us the ability to be right with God. So to me, it seems like Jesus is all about having a relationship with us. And we gotta. all we have to do is walk through the gate. That's what uh, John, last week when we talked in John chapter 10. That we can know about God. We can know all the facts. And we can truly believe in, in um, a six-day creation. And how everything unfolded in the scripture. We can know about what God does. And we can still be standing on the outside. Where all the other sheep are at. In the presence of our enemies. All we have to do is walk through the gate. That's what Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, that if we walk through the gate, you will be saved. You'll be able to go in and out and find pastures. But the thief, what does the thief do? He wants to wreck your life. The enemy, he wants to kill and steal and destroy everything about you that you hold dear, especially your relationship with God. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And all we have to do is walk through that gate. That's the idea. Go from knowing about God to truly experiencing His love and His compassion and His grace by walking through that gate. Let's pray. Before we do, we want to... We want to take time to reflect, obviously, about where our relationship with God is. But most importantly, we need to understand today that He wants a relationship with us. And if you followed Jesus for any amount of time, you know that, that to be, that's, that's true, that He is with you. And maybe you need to be led by some still waters to lie down in green pastures today. And you're, you're saying, I need to walk through the gate. You can do that. You just need to simply say, God, I love you. I'm a sinner. I want you to come into my life today. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. And He promises that He will save you. Then you can go in and out and find pastures. And that's what we want for all today. Father God, we love you And we are excited to know that you want a relationship with us. Before we were even knit in our mother's womb, you wanted a relationship with us. From the time that Adam and Eve were were eating the fruit and sin entered the world, you wanted a relationship with me. thousands and thousands of years later simply because you want, want us to be your children, that you, want us t- that you want to be our shepherd. And Father, we ask today for those that may be struggling to find an answer, to find a relationship with you, that you will quiet their heart, that you will work in their lives, and that you'll help them to take that step through the gate. And if if we are following you, it, and there's plenty of people here today that that uh, have served you and loved you for a long, long time, that you'll continue to build in us a relationship that doesn't grow cold, that doesn't grow old in our lives, Father. That we continue to progress and seek you more and more, to be discipled by other people, to um, disciple other people, to reach into other people's lives, to share the story of grace with others today. Lord, we, we, we're humbled to know that you want that with us. And we're thankful, Father, that you focus on the relationship And that you want to be our shepherd. So today as we go, as we go eat together, as we head out through this week, Father, just pray that you will remind us often of the story of grace in our lives. And that we'll rest in you today as our shepherd. In Jesus' name.